Welcome to listeners. It's time for the Sunbuster Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and my guest today is going to be Ronnie Ron Ron Tavares of the Fantasy Sports Fiends Podcast. On today's episode, we recap week two, tell you who you should target, who you should be down on, some studs, duds, and everything else to help you win your league. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partner, Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. CavemanCoffeeCo.com, promo code slump. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump and get yourself a case today. All righty, y'all. It's time for the show. Ron, Ron, Juju, Slump Buster, FFB. Let's get it. Let's bust the slump in. Let's enjoy. Welcome to Slump Busters. It's time for the Slump Buster Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports. And that is not Drew sitting across from me. This is actually Ronnie Ron Ron Tavares of the Fantasy Sports Fiends Podcast. Came across the page a couple of weeks ago. We decided to connect. Ronnie, I know you're just bringing back into the swing of things. You told me you took a little bit of hiatus. How is it with football back, man? How has your life been treating you? Oh, man. Um, I don't know if you follow my page on IG, my personal page, not my fantasy page. But uh, it took about a month off. I was just uh, going through some personal stuff. And the crazy thing about fantasy sports, not for everybody, but for someone like me, I enjoy the camaraderie that it brings with, you know, your league mates and that kind of thing. And also just the fact that it gives you something to focus on. And so you already know with, with fantasy football, especially out of all the sports, it's the most competitive, it's the most, you know, fan driven. Like I, to me, I feel like if it wasn't for fantasy football, the NFL wouldn't be where that today as far as popularity and so yeah once football season started kicking in i mean i was back into like all right everybody was asking me hey what's going on with your podcast like you know we're waiting for it so i was like oh you know what you know there's no more motivation than when people are asking to listen to your podcast so i was like i gotta get back on it and so we got back on it last week and we'll be doing it weekly to listen to me on spotify as, as as your podcast as well and yeah man let's get rolling that's cool that you have like a loyal fan base of people asking about it. That's when you know, like you, you got a little bit of something there. Like you said, it's so tough to get motivated as a individual content creator without like a big machine driving you. You just right. kind of have to self-motivate yourself through the day. And when you're working a job, when you got bills, when you got family, when you got friends, yeah, it's just hard to sit down because it's not the recording of the podcast. It's the hard part. It's the editing. It's the quality control. It's making sure your facts are right, the research, especially fantasy, where there's so many different variables and things that you have to stay on top of. Because, you know, obviously we have similar goals here. We want to help people win their league. We want to help people like be at the top of their standings, the most points scored. What's the right matchups? What's the right games to put these people in places to succeed? So to that, Ronnie, I salute you. It's not an easy job in many cases. Pretty thankless because I've been on the wrong side of suggesting, hey, you start this guy, you'll win. And then he puts up like three points or exits in the first quarter with injury, Raheem Mostert. (laughs) Right. And even with even being a commissioner in like multiple leagues, I mean, gosh, like just hearing people like argue about certain, you know, settings or trades that happen and that kind of thing. It's so it goes hand in hand, right? Being a podcast host or commissioner of a fantasy football league it's it's a thankless job uh, but it's something you know it, it does motivate me it's i've told people this over the years so the one thing about my podcast is i try not to be too much into the data driven you know statistics that kind of thing i just want to have people enjoy and teach them how to play in a sense if, if they're beginners i've always been a fan of fantasy sports and betting that kind of thing but there's a lot of people that don't understand how to play and what makes it so much fun like if you enjoy you know, gambling or playing fantasy sports, it'll, it'll make watching sports, watching football that much more exciting. If you enjoy it, you know, for some people it could be stressful, but for me, it's much more exciting. I enjoy, I enjoy football Sundays more than ever now because of fantasy football. If it wasn't for fantasy football, who knows, you know, kind of thing. And so, yeah, man, I'm with you. And does, I mean, you, you know, you know how it is, man. With yeah. I'm push your podcast. <laughs> I've seen an interesting Twitter debate on whether the state of fantasy football is oversaturated. And I don't think so, because I think that there's different flavors for different folks. There's fantasy focus, 
we're completely different from the fantasy guys, the fantasy footballers, you know, you're different from, I don't know, the football guys, CBS sports, all that. Everyone's kind of got their own little take, their own little nuance to bring to people. Sometimes it's a little confirmation bias. Sometimes you're going to make that right start to sit decision, but you just need to hear it from someone else's voice. And if we have the opportunity to be that for you, then I, I think that that's kind of the reward in itself. You know, the ability to kind of like justify people's decisions. And if it works out for you, I don't think there's anything more gratifying. I talked about the uh, shortcomings if um, you're on the wrong side of a suggesting something to someone. But if you're on the right side, if you're on the winning side, it feels good that you not only made that smart pick for yourself, you sound right, you sound intelligent, right. but also the fact that that person won and got a little bit more joy in their day because of it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I noticed that from last year where it's like, no, maybe not even last year, just a few weeks ago, I had some guy like really, you know, I usually go on Twitter, I'll go to hashtag fantasy football, I'll try to answer some friends, you know, start sick, sick questions and, you know, give them my suggestion. And for the most part, what happens with fantasy football, you start overthinking, you know, you're playing with your best friends, you're playing with family, and you're so competitive that you start overthinking. I try to tell people, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to start with the players that make the most sense, not overthink. And Raheem Mostert, you just mentioned him earlier. You know, he got injured. You know, he's a perfectly capable RB2. But people are going to get frustrated. Oh, he always gets hurt. Oh, the Niners just played a third string running back over him. And, you know, they get so frustrated. It's like, but in the moment, you made the right decision. You know, you start, it didn't work out for you, but you made the, the, the right decision. So it's more about the process than the actual result. And that's what I always tell people, don't overthink it. You know, you, at the end of the day, if you draft really well and you pay attention to your team, you're going to do really good. Well, that Niners backfield is going to give a lot of people frustrations, especially after the last two weeks and how the injuries have piled up. Everyone's been focusing on the Ravens. What's going on in San Francisco is a curse from God. I swear to God. Uh, but, you know, like we'll get there. We'll talk about the Niners backfield as we go through it. We settled on a format last week that I thought was really fun and really kind of brought in perspective on a bunch of different positions. We're going to go through like last week where we went through the top 12 at each position. So we're going to yeah. start off first with the quarterback position and quarterback had a lot of headlines this week. So starting off with our number one quarterback of the week, Kyler Murray threw for 400 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, 33 fantasy points right behind him. Lamar Jackson with a huge Sunday night performance against the chiefs, uh, a touchdown, some rushing scores, a couple rushing scores. Tom Brady at three, five passing touchdowns on the day, nine touchdowns through two weeks for the 45-year-old Tom Brady. Daniel Jones, a surprise here. Number four uh, this week had that big, long run, had a run called back, could have been a bigger day for Daniel Jones. Uh, but number four for Danny Dimes, certainly he does have some streamer appeal from time to time. Kirk Cousins at five, Derek Carr at six. Derek Carr is one of those injured quarterbacks currently may miss this week against Miami. John Gruden said he expects him to play, but watch out for that ankle. Keep your eye tuned if you are a Derek Carr owner. Patrick Mahomes at seven, Russell Wilson at eight, Jalen Hurts at nine. So Jalen Hurts continues to stay within the top 12. Teddy Bridgewater at 10, great game against the Jaguars. And then Taylor Heineke at 11, Jimmy Garoppolo at 12. So, hey, speaking of like, sometimes it feels good to be right. Telling people to stream Jimmy Garoppolo being in the top 12. I'll take that. I'll take my W right there. But, all righty. Let's talk about some of the surprises in here. Uh, Daniel Jones at four. Now, next week, the Giants will be going into Atlanta. Danny Dimes, would you want to run it back with him given the matchup? So it's crazy. And I don't know if you knew this before we recorded this, but I am a Giants fan. And so one of the things that frustrates me with the Giants is their play calling, right? And so last Thursday night, Daniel Jones was looking good. And to me, it's like, if you don't have Saquon, out there and at 100%. To me, it's like Daniel Jones is an underrated runner and they do not design runs for him. They did maybe two last week. And to me, it's like every week, I'm, I, as a Giants fan, I'm just frustrated because I want them to run the ball more as with Daniel Jones. Use that read option. Use his legs. He can run. And for fantasy purposes, I was kind of iffy because their line is suspect. Their weapons were, you know, missing some of preseason. So they're a little rusty. You can tell. The only guy that's been consistent for the Giants the last the first two weeks is Shepard and so for Daniel Jones I feel like this next game now they have you know 10 games to prepare right from Thursday they brutal loss I would run it back especially because Atlanta hurts and Brady back-to-back -back weeks just murder them and so Daniel Jones for fantasy purposes yeah in real life I'm still not sure he's the quarterback of the future for the Giants but for fantasy 
I would start Danny Jones for sure. You know, my co-host on the Slump Buster podcast, Kyle Ledbetter, actually threw me for a stumper last week when he asked me, can you name a defender on the Atlanta Falcons defense? So by that said, I'm going to ask you the same thing, Ron Ron. Who you got? Oh, man. The one that jumps up is the one that just drafted. Is it A.J. Terrell? There you go. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I I forgot about Deion Jones. I forgot about Grady Jarrett. Those guys are still there. But either way, this is a matchup. Like like you were mentioning, uh, the Giants definitely do need to use Daniel Jones' best attribute, and that is killing him with the legs. If he's going to have that nickname Vanilla Vic, we got to see him run for a little bit more. And against the Falcons, this is an easily exploitable matchup. And that's why I think Daniel Jones will be a top 12 quarterback next week, or at least he's going to be in my top 12 rankings next week, because I I think that this is one he's obviously not going to be very well owned in most leagues. He may be able to still win here. Don't know if Daniel Jones is a good long-term starter, but certainly one that you can plug and play with here. Any more cozy thoughts before we move on from this guy? So definitely stream up here with Daniel Jones. And if you guys play uh, daily fantasy sports, that's somebody I'm targeting as a low-cost option at quarterback. I'm a big fan of FanDuel and DraftKings and those tournament plays. And Daniel Jones is definitely going to be in one of my lineups. Uh, the other guy I wanted to mention, yeah, uh, Derek Carr. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not a big believer in the Raiders. I was I had picked the Steelers in a couple of suicide pools this past week, and I felt that they would just destroy the Raiders. Derek Carr has played really well. I'm not going to lie. That, that's one guy that, surprisingly, you know, John Gruden gets a lot of flack, and he, I feel like we put him on the table this past offseason, uh, you know, in trade talks, and then he wouldn't budge. He was asking for first-round picks, and people were like, is he crazy? He thinks he's going to get a first-round pick for Derek Carr? But if you look around the league, Derek Carr, he's about a top-15 quarterback in real life. Like, he looks really good. Yeah, it's hard to read him this week. Uh, again, with the injury, he's thrown for 817 yards in the last two weeks. But Miami, great in week one against Mac Jones, rookie quarterback in New England, and then obviously got roasted by the Bills in Miami this weekend. So are they go- more towards the Bills or are they more towards their game against the Patriots? I think they're still a top-line defense, and I think that this is where we see Derek Carr kind of come back down to his normal ceiling, especially if he's not as mobile this week. I right. think that that could hinder his game a little bit. But Derek Carr certainly has been a great surprise this season, but he's never been historically a good fantasy football quarterback. Just a little bit too on again, off again. And you just don't really want that out of your QB one slot. So yeah, Derek Carr, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to fade him this week in particular. I'm going to fade him this week, and I'm going to fade him a little bit more as we progress. But in terms of the real-life game, what the Raiders are doing, fantastic. 2-0 start against the Ravens and Steelers. Couldn't be any better. Surprising the hell out of me. We're getting roasted on our last ones for saying that the Steelers were going to beat them. But you win some, you lose some. <laughs> right. Okay, let's talk about, let's see here. So Teddy Two Gloves at number 10. He's been serviceable. He's definitely been in that QB2 range. Decent floor. Faces the Jets in week three. The Jets aren't looking anything special. Would this be a matchup in which you'd be willing to throw out Teddy Bridgewater? I would be a little hesitant only because I feel like when teams play at home, and I think he's playing at home, and they're heavy favorites, the game script is going to be easy for them to just run the ball against a bad team. So I would not be at, you know, have that much of, of confidence in starting Bridgewater this week. But, you know, in, you know, we spoke about streaming. I mean, I'm, I'm the type of person that I usually don't drive quarterbacks early. So I usually would draft a late round option and then stream if the matchups are bad, right? So if you, you want to go by matchups, the Jets defense hasn't looked too bad the first few weeks. They haven't looked too bad. It's just more that quarterback pay has put them in bad positions where they're giving up points. Zach Wilson's turning the ball over. So it's, it just gives the team a bad field position, better position for the offense, sorry. And so I would not start Bridgewater this week. Not this it's, a, it's a floor play. Like you're talking about maybe 10 to 15 points from Bridgewater, which you're not going to have the huge day. You're not going to have the big day, but it's at least notable that he is within the top 10 this week and going against the Jets is a matchup that he could potentially reach his ceiling. The next ones I'm going to talk about. So Taylor Heineke at 11 faces the Bills this week. Taylor Heineke not starting him. I think we can move on there. Jimmy Garoppolo at 12 though, Sunday night football against the Packers. Now, the Packers, obviously, five touchdowns allowed to Jameis Winston in week one. And this week, I don't know if you've been kind of keeping your eye on the Monday night game, but Jared Goff has looked solid against them. In fact, we didn't mention his name, but Jared Goff was the number three fantasy quarterback last week. He might finish 
close to this top 12 this week because Jimmy Garoppolo finished in the top 12, but didn't really have a great day. So I would say that definitely Jared Goff should be on pace based off his first half stats. Could age terribly well if he has a bad fourth quarter, but oh, well, you know, that it happens with editing. Jimmy Garoppolo, week three at home against the Packers. You want to start him? I mean, I'm going to lie to you. I'm watching this game and I'm like, it's either the Lions are better than expected or the Packers are that much worse than they have been the last few years. It's one or the other. So it's maybe, maybe, maybe it's a combination of it. And so you're right. Jared got, has looked good, but I'm like, come on, Packers. Like, they look so bad right now. The last first two weeks, actually, just I'm not a Jimmy G guy. I'm so, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, uh, you know, you have the San Francisco 49ers in your background and whatnot, but I'm waiting for Trey Lance to take over. And I feel like that that offense won't take off that rocket ship until he takes over that offense. But, you know, the Packers defense has looked so bad that, yes, I would consider Jimmy Garoppolo this week. I just, I just, I'm not a Jimmy G guy, man. I'm just not. You talk about those cheap DFS plays. This is potentially one. If he could throw for a couple touchdowns here, three touchdowns, you know they're going to have to keep up with Green Bay at bare minimum. I think Aaron Rodgers can take advantage of a rookie corner and Josh Norman at this point in his career. So if the Niners are going to compete, they're going to have to air it out a little bit. So I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a good cheap play heading into that week three matchup. Let's talk about quarterbacks who finished outside of the top 12. You know, I just want to know, start, sit next week where you are with them. Matthew Stafford at 16 is going against Tampa Bay next week. Start or sit? Oh, definitely starting. So the first week, obviously, Stafford had one of his best games of his career, week one. I like the Rams offense in general. It's really surprising how Robert Woods hasn't really shined, but Cooper Cup is looking like a wide receiver one. But I feel like Stafford, this last game against the Colts, it was like one of those game script thing. Again, there's a game script thing. But so this coming week, they're playing the Buccaneers. They're going to have to keep up. Tom Brady's here chasing records. It looks like to me, Tom Brady's just like, you know what? They're going to be at the goal line, one yard out, and he's passing the ball. He's not even going to bother to hand the ball over to Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. And so he's going to have to keep up with Tom Brady. And I feel that's going to be one of the best games of this weekend. And I, I would definitely start with Matt Stafford this weekend. Okay, these next two are surprising because these are guys that we thought may even be in the top five of their position, but have finished outside of the top 12 for two consecutive weeks. Now, Josh Allen at 17 going against Washington next week. Now, Washington as despite what we think of their defense, obviously got beat up by Daniel Jones, Josh Allen running them out there again, running them out there. I mean, you know, it's tough for people to, you know, they're frustrated after two weeks. I own uh, Josh Allen in a keeper league. He's a must start. It, to me, he's a top five option every week because of his running, his the, the Bills offense. I feel like it's their, the, again, game script, right? So the Dolphins, they basically got blown out. And so they still started running the ball with Singletary and, and Zach Moss. They didn't have to throw the ball this past game. And the Dolphins do have an underrated defense and secondary. And so I kind of feel like they play to their opponent, right? Washington does have a tough defense, but look what Daniel Jones did to them last week, right? I felt like that was going to be an ugly game and Daniel Jones had his way with them. And so I don't see it why Josh Allen can't have his way with them this weekend. Justin Herbert, again, in the bottom half of quarterbacks. And then this week, they're going to be turning around. They're going to be in Kansas City, a morning start time game. What do you think on this one? Uh, Justin Herbert, two weeks. It's not looking great, especially if you were one of those that invested high average draft position in him coming into the season. So funny story, last week in my podcast, I had listed Justin Herbert as a low-end quarterback one. And my co-host, the Goatee, Elias Febris, he got offended. And I named him the quarterbacks that were ahead of him. And I had, like, Herbert in that 7 to 10 race, given the week, depending on the matchup. And it's not a slight on to him. It's just, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are just have higher ceilings, right? And I like the Chargers offense. I like Justin Herbert a lot, especially in real life. But look at the first two weeks. He's doing good at game management. He's not turning the ball over. But I don't see them, their offense, like they have a new head coach. Their offense is not showing me that they're wanting to play a faster pace. But this weekend, they play against the Chiefs. You have no choice. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have no choice but to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. So I'll feel real confident starting Justin Herbert this weekend for sure. Like that, that This weekend, he has to keep up with Mahomes. Okay. Ryan Tannehill. So a guy that was drafted as a low-end quarterback one, again, has finished in that 20 to 30 range here. And this week is going to be facing the Colts. Now, I think this is the range in which you start talking, is there better quarterback options for me out there than Ryan Tannehill? How close are you to cutting Ryan Tannehill? Where are you on that one? 
not cutting him. I am worried. I, I, I own Derek Henry. And so yesterday was a big one for me to, you know, feel confident that, all right, it's not Derek Henry. But what I read last week was that last year with Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator, they were calling play action 35% of the time. And so week one, it was at 12%, let's say. And to me, it's like, do what works for you. And yeah, they ran the ball yesterday, but, you know, Seahawks defense just let up after in the second half, especially to Derek Henry. And so he ate them up. But I am concerned with Tannehill. I don't know if he was going to be consistent. I wouldn't trust him week to week, but I'm not cutting bait with him yet. I'll give him another few games. Um, the Colts defense is pretty underrated. And I just want to see how Tannehill performed. I mean, Julio Jones had a, touch, a touchdown called back. So Tannehill could have had a touchdown right there. I felt like he was in. The refs didn't. But, you know, we'll see. But A.J. Brown, too, he, he dropped a bomb as well. I was screaming at my TV. A.J. Brown had an easy touch. He catches that ball. He runs it all the way. So, again, any of those plays get called in favor of the Titans, uh, you know, Julio Jones or A.J. Brown, then we're talking a different story here. Yeah, that does tend to shift his fantasy scoring if those touchdowns are scored as the rest of the viewing public saw them as. The last note I'm going to throw out there at quarterback here is Andy Dalton went down in the last game against revenge game against Cincinnati with a knee injury. Now, although Justin Fields potentially has the opportunity to step in, he would be stepping into a matchup against the Browns in week three. Justin Fields, would you want to throw him out there right away? Because he hasn't even looked that good in this limited playing time we have seen him in. He has it. And I, again, it's the rushing, right? So the rushing ability is going to give you some kind of floor. You want to trust those kind of quarterbacks despite the throwing issues, accuracy kind of thing. Um, it's a tough matchup. It's on the road. I'm pretty sure that the Browns will be favored by close to a touchdown this weekend. I mean, depending on the injuries as well, right? Landry's hurt. But, um, yeah, man, Fields uh, is on the road. First start, it, that'll be tough. I mean, with confidence, I wouldn't feel too confident. It depends on your option. Now, if you had, like, Tannehill, like, it's, you know, you kind of go back and forth. And I probably would start Fields over Tannehill. I'll probably rank him inside my top 12 borderline because of his rushing ability that alone but I wouldn't feel too confident to be honest with you not not at the level of Lamar or Hurts you know what I'm saying absolutely I I think that right now at this point Justin Fields is on the low end of mobile quarterback uh, rankings let's talk about the running back position now so let's go through the top 12 there at number one here comes the big show Derrick Henry 44 points Three touchdowns, 182 yards, 39, 35 attempts, something like that. I can't read. Either way, over 30 attempts, slow start, finish strong. Derrick Henry, beast mode right there. Aaron Jones, despite still having about a quarter of play left, is the number two fantasy running back at this time. Uh, He is currently sitting at 24 points, had a couple touchdowns already, so Solid rebound game for Aaron Jones. The Lions defense seems exposable against the run game. Christian McCaffrey at three. Once again, don't need to tell you that Christian McCaffrey is good. Each and every week, start. Uh, Tony Pollard, though, at four. This is a big surprise, and we'll get into this Zeke Pollard discussion here soon. But Tony Pollard, uh, 109 yards and a touchdown on the day against the Chargers. Cordell Patterson, really surprising here, at five. Atlanta Falcons, 21 points, uh, had a touchdown, had a five receptions, 58 yards, touchdown. Uh, yeah, you know, just a multi-purpose running back, receiver, special teamer. Cordell Patterson does a little bit of everything and elevated his day against the Bucks. Austin Eckler at six, nine receptions, 61 yards. Always going to have a solid baseline with the catches. J.D. McKissick, a lot of surprising names. God, J.D. McKissick at seven, had a touchdown. Stealing away from the Antonio Gibson owner. Gibson owner's punching the air right now because of it. Another top 10 running back for the Cowboys as Ezekiel Elliott does finish at number eight. Touchdown, 71 yards, a couple catches late. Decent day for Zeke, but there may be some bigger issues down the line here. Najee Harris, nice little bit rebound for the rookie here. Big receiving touchdown, five catches. I like that he's involved on all three downs. That's going to give him a solid baseline. Nick Chubb at 10. 95 yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary at 11, putting a little people on notice there, elevating himself above Zach Moss in the Buffalo backfield, which is good for Buffalo, I think, overall. And then Dalvin Cook at 12. Now, Dalvin Cook has another thing going on, too, with speaking of injuries, went down a couple times in that game this past weekend against Arizona. So Alexander Madison owners, 
maybe time to get a little bit excited here if you invested in drafting him. Okay, let's talk about the surprise names here. Uh, Tony Pollard and Zeke, both finishing within the top eight of the position. I'm very nervous if I'm the Zeke owner right now because Tony Pollard has looked better. Honestly, you just watch the game. He's way more explosive than Zeke. Seems to have more bursts, better pass catcher at the moment. I'm pretty sure that this is going to turn into a 50-50 committee at this point. And Mike McCarthy has shown that he's willing to do that. There was a whole free Aaron Jones movement back in the day. If I'm a Zeke owner, I'm looking at him more like a running back too, maybe even a flex option moving forward. How are you feeling about this situation, Rana? You literally took the words out of my mouth. And the one thing coming into the season while I was questioning about Zeke was whether it was because of Dak's injury. He was out last year, the quarterback play, or the offensive line. I know Zeke also was playing not at 100% last year. They said he had a strong offseason, that he looked healthier. He had, but then you watch the game and you watch Pollard and you see the difference in their offense and their burst and the speed. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe not 50 50 just based on contract and name. But even if it becomes 60-40, like, you're going to be worried as a Zeke owner. Like, it's going to be tough to trust them week to week. And so, and Pollard, the people were just using him as a handcuff. Now you look at him as a flex option. You're right. Like, you have to think about Pollard as a flex option going forward. I think that there is a lot of value, of course, being in the Cowboys offense in general. They have playmakers all across the field. And I came into the season with a very strong conviction about Ezekiel. I, I felt great about it coming in. And the week one, you could kind of write off, okay, the Bucks defense is tough against running backs, impossible run on them. So I didn't expect him to have a big week one, but seeing how involved Pollard is, seeing this split, I am so deadly concerned going into the, the next few weeks. And if it's possible, if I can move off Zeke now, if I'm the Zeke owner, I would do it. I would do it before his name value just continually gets run through the mud. Now, you just got to hope that the rest of your league hasn't caught on to this potential development in Dallas. Um, other names going on here, uh, Cordell Patterson. Uh, are you putting some fab into Cordell Patterson this week? Is this a guy that's high in your waiver priority? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I had a friend earlier tell me, you know, that he was so upset because he had him on his waiver, you know, list last week, took him off, you know, you know, Elijah Mitchell, Gainwell, those kind of guys weren't at the top of his list, but Patterson, Mike Davis, I, I didn't trust coming into this year, journeyman, but Patterson over the last few years, if you notice each team that grabs him up, uses him effectively in spurts, right? But it looks like he has a real role with the Falcons and they could use as many pass weapons in the, in the passing game, in the run game as possible. And he's there at the goal line. Like most importantly, he's there at the goal line, but you wouldn't have expected coming into the season with Mike Davis. So yeah, Patterson is definitely a flex option. And you have him in, P in PBR leagues, absolutely you start him. I think one big valuable piece here too is the fact the Falcons trail in so many games. Game strip is definitely in his favor. The fact that he'll be out there on third down passing situations, way better of a pass catcher than Mike Davis could ever dream of being. And that's why, yeah, Cordell Patterson, I think has to be a top five waiver consideration this week if he's available in your league, which... I don't have the number right in front of me, but I imagine he's available in a lot of leagues. So keep an eye out for him if Cordell Patterson's out there for you. Devin Singletary finishing within the top 12. Does this give you cause for optimism to just completely cut Zach Moss? Zach Moss, is he off your fantasy bench now? So I'm in about seven, eight leagues. I own Zach Moss in about three, but in my main league, I own Devin Singletary. And coming out of my draft, I had Derrick Henry, I had Chris Carson, and then Singletary was my RB3. And for some reason, leaving that draft, I didn't feel good about the fact that Singletary was my RB3 for my bye weeks as a flex option for some reason. Then Zach Moss was inactive week one. And I was like, what's going on here? The, you know, he was healthy. They, he was inactive. And I was like, what's going on here? So is Singletary going to be the three down back here? Because then absolutely his value goes up and you're going to want to start him. But then Zach Moss comes back, gets two touchdowns this past weekend. They split the work pretty much. So... I'm going to be forced to start Singletary this week because in my main league, I'm in a 14-man league, half PPR. It's a very competitive league because I have some injury. So I kind of feel better than I did when I drafted him, but I don't feel great enough while I'm going to feel confident that he's going to be a RB2 the rest of the season. It's still a wait-and-see approach with both of them. I'm not also losing confidence in Zach Moss. I just feel – I don't know what went on in week one. I don't know why he was inactive. We didn't get any news about it. But with Singletary, I feel a little better, at least for this week. I just don't know about going forward.
You mentioned Cordell Patterson is a top five waiver consideration this week. Is Alexander Madison with the Dalvin Cook injury your number one? Because according to quick research, he's only 33% rostered. So he is available in a lot of leagues. It's so I, the news of Dalvin Cook is news to me. I wasn't aware, to be honest with you. He just been ba- got banged up, missed a oh. couple series, went in and out. So it's not like he's in dire emergency of missing this game, but definitely keep an eye on the fact that he is a little bit rattled after their week two game. The other thing was, so with Madison, and I owned Dalvin Cook in the league last year, and I had Madison, I felt like I reached for Madison just to protect myself. But when Cook missed games last, last year, Madison didn't perform well. And they split the work with Abdullah and other backs, you know, Mike Boone. Dalvin Cook is a top five running back option. If Madison were to get the job because of injury, he's not going to be a top five option. Not even, maybe not even top 15. He'll be like a borderline RB2, if that. And and just this is based off last year. I didn't see it. Like, you know, they gave him the job. He was given the role and he just didn't perform well. And so I wouldn't run. Like I've been, I've been beating the drum of, you know, always draft your handcuffs, protect yourself, but not this year. For some reason, this year, I just felt like there's only one or two handcuffs, really true, true ones. And Pollard is one of them. I wouldn't go out of my way unless I'm a Dalvin Cook owner to go after Madison is what I would say. Okay. I'm going to talk about this next guy. He's near and dear to your heart. Saquon Barkley, the number 30 running back on the week. Again, another poor week for Saquon, about 7.9 fantasy points against the Washington defense. If he struggles, I I know you're not dropping him. You're probably starting him against Atlanta. But if he struggles against Atlanta, what are you doing with this guy? I see a a few guys trying to buy low. I'm watching the games, and I'm saying, you know, he had his moments. Again, they're not giving him the full snaps right now. They're easing him in. That Giants offense, I don't know how consistent they will be. So scoring-wise, I just don't see the upside with scoring. You know if Saquon was 100%, he'll give you the you know the receptions. He'll give you some yardage. But I'm not going to go and trade, like, big pieces of my team to tr- try and buy low. I don't think it's a buy low. You're taking a risk with Saquon. You really are. And, you know, week to week, there could be a game later on in the year where they just be, you know, the Giants are out of it and they wouldn't, and they want to protect their investment. And you say, you know what? Like, we're not going to play Saquon. We're, we're out of the playoff picture. And we're not going to force them to, you know, play 100% of the snaps. And, you know, they haven't even resigned them yet. I feel like it's, you know, if they're not willing to play him at this moment, he's not 100%. There's, there's a reason for it, right? They signed Devontae Booker to a contract. It's very wait and see. I, I will start him this week. He has he had 10 days to rest up. This game will tell us a lot. This game against the Falcons will tell us a lot. How much burn does he get? How much explosiveness does he show? Because it could either, you know, a lot of players come back from that injury and... The only guy that jumps out to my mind that comes back the first year back is Adrian Peterson. Otherwise, guys, they don't come back. Dalvin Cook is another example. It took Dalvin Cook a whole year before he got back to form. He struggled that first year back from that injury. The second year was when Dalvin Cook was like, all right, Dalvin Cook is back. So it might be the same with Saquon. It might not be this year. It might be next year. But, you know, guys are not going to cut him right now, and they shouldn't cut him. You just got to lower your expectations. Ronnie, gun to your head. Saquon Barkley, is he a top 24 running back this year? Well, I mean, you give me a, a big number. Like, if, if you were to tell, if you to tell me an RB1, I would say no. Top 24, I would say he'll be borderline, yes. Let's see here. Let's see some more notable names down the list. And let's, you know, let's just talk about this Niners backfield situation right now. Uh, so, Elijah Mitchell, day-to-day with a shoulder injury. Jamichael Hasty, high ankle sprain. He's going to be missing some weeks. They brought in TJ Yeldon, Duke Johnson, and Lamar Miller for workouts today. I know that this is a fantasy productive backfield, but how are you treating this movie forward? Elijah Mitchell also struggled against the Eagles. I'm starting to notice that the Eagles defense, particularly their defensive line, just a good run defense. I think they're going to be strong on a lot of running backs this year, fantasy running backs this year. Elijah Mitchell, are you starting him as a top 24 running back? Is he in that running back two range for you this week? Uh, they play the Packers again. Yes, the, and we spoke about the, the Packers' defense is not good. They haven't shown anything so far. And so, yes, I would start him. And matter of fact, last week in one of those, you know, budget leagues where you have to pay for your waivers, I spent all my money on Elijah Mitchell just off the upside and potential, you know, maybe a lottery ticket. And to me, nothing has changed. You know, he did have a bad game, but I feel like that both sides didn't really look really good on offense, to be honest with you, the Eagles or the Niners. And at the end of it, Elijah Mitchell has 17 carries. I mean, if you could get that every week from your RB2, more weeks than not, they're going to be productive than, okay. than he was this past weekend. So I feel like I would trust him this week. 
Okay, I'm going to talk about some more confusing committees. Who is the number one running back in Houston? Mark Ingram, Bill Lindsay, or David Johnson? I can't answer that. I mean, this past week it was Lindsay. The prior week was Mark Ingram. I wouldn't trust any of them. I mean, if you force to start one of those guys, I mean, you're, you're, you didn't draft well. <laughs> sorry, sorry to say, you know. 14-team weeks. Sometimes stuff happens. Oh, hey, I, quit taking shots here, man. <laughs> you know, a lot of us can't be so lucky with – you know, how the team worked out. No, I've, yeah, I, I think I am going to be forced to start David Johnson in one league. I had uh, Daryl Henderson's dealing with a rib injury and Raheem Mostert's out for the year. So, yeah, boy, might be having run out David Johnson as emergency oh. uh, RB2 this week. Sometimes those 14-team leagues, running backs, they go pretty quick. And uh, <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm really aware of that. Trust me, my main league is a 14-man league. I know what it is. That's why I told you about Singletary. I didn't feel good about it. After the draft, but then I felt better about it knowing, all right, I looked at other teams and I'm like, all right, as an RB3, you can't be mad at Singletary. I do want to point out uh, J.D. McKissick because I own Antonio Gibson in one league and I am worried because I really thought he would be a three down back. I didn't think McKissick would be that much of a problem. I thought he was more of an Alex Smith thing, but apparently he's going to be a factor in the past game all season long. And so if you own Gibson, don't trust him as an RB1, probably safe as an RB2. But I really thought he had the upside to be, to be honest with you, as a RB, potentially RB1 overall, if he was a three down back. But it doesn't look like that's going to be the case this year. I mentioned that Daryl Henderson's dealing with a rib injury. Are you starting any Rams running backs against the Bucks? I would consider Sonny Michelle. Yeah, if, if, if Henderson is not playing, then you, then you consider Sonny Michelle. And just because overall that offense has looked a lot better. And so you're going to want to start whoever's starting at running back. Are you cutting everyone from the Jets' backfield? Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, and Michael Carter. Just off the eye test, the best one that's looked is Ty Johnson. Uh, but you, how can you really trust that backfield? And their offense, I'm sorry, I, I know I'm a Giants fan, but their offense sucks. So unless it's a bye week, unless you have a bunch of injuries, why would you trust any of those guys? So drop away. Jets backfield, they done. Okay, let's move into the wide receivers. Let's talk some wide receivers here. Uh, the number one wide receiver on the week, Cooper Cup, 164 yards, two touchdowns, nine receptions. 32 points, clearly looking like Matthew Stafford's favorite target so far. Tyler Lockett back in here in the top five of the position, 27 points, 178 yards, a touchdown. Terry McLaurin, scary Terry, 11 receptions, 170 yards, and a touchdown, showing no ill will with Ryan Fitzpatrick currently out. I am very happy about that one. Uh, Mike, oh, fun stat here, I just want to throw in. 10 quarterbacks from Terry McLaurin in his short NFL career. Wow. Just want to put that out there before we move on to number four, Mike Evans back at it again. Mike Evans caught two touchdowns this week, five receptions, 79 yards. The Bucks wide receiving core. Everyone's gained some love. Antonio Brown did get much love in week two, got some love in week one. Chris Godwin consistent through the first two games. Chris Godwin is clearly going to suck in week three. That's what that's telling me. Number five, Rondell Moore. Rookie, seven receptions, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Big play production from Rondell Moore. Is going to have games like this? I don't see him as a consistent, trustworthy starter in this Cardinals offense. It's going to have a lot of variables there. Cortland Sutton at six, nine receptions, 159 yards, clearly benefiting from Jerry Judy not being on the field as it's more opportunity for Sutton, despite him still looking a little bit off coming off that ACL. Just a slight step behind, but... Still a number one wide receiver in that offense. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, surprisingly finishing in the top 12. I, the thing with Marquise Brown, I don't want to own him because he will have weeks like this in which he'll just finish within the top 10, but you'll never know which week it is. Six receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Henry Ruggs, the third, five receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown finishes as the number one wide receiver for the Raiders this week. I think the Raiders have been a little bit bouncing around as far as like, who's that top target. Mike Williams though, has been pretty consistent so far this year. He had seven receptions, 91 yards and a touchdown. Now here's where we get a little bit of an oddball here that I don't think is going to be finishing in the top 12 here. Freddie Swain at 10, uh, 95 yards and a touchdown, five receptions. Uh, you know, just one of those random names thrown in there. Uh, Lockett. Metcalf, only Seahawks wide receivers you want to own. Freddie Swain, nice little uh, appearance here, but don't count on it. Now, here's an interesting one. Now, here's one that could be one that we have a discussion on here. 
Brandon Cooks at 11, nine receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. The big story for Houston this week, short week, going against Carolina Thursday night, he may not have Tyrod Taylor out there on the field with him. But is Brandon Cooks quarterback proof? That is going to be the discussion we have here in a moment. And just rounding out the top 12, DJ Moore, eight receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Let's do it. Brandon Cooks, are you starting him this week against Carolina? I am. I own him in my 14-man league. I had a, uh, Deontay Johnson is going to looking iffy. Landry's hurt. So I'm going to be forced to start him blindly and just hope for the best. I do think he is quarterback proof, though. You look over the years, no matter if it's golf, no matter if it's Watson, no matter who it is, he gets 1,000 yards every year. And people, I felt like he was one of my better bargains in that 14-man league. I got him in, like, the 10th round. And I'm blessed right now. I feel like I have a strong wide receiver, too. He's going to get his five, six catches every week. He's not as much of a boom or bust as he was with the Rams. He's been pretty consistent with the with the Texans. And so I'm starting him confidently. I feel good. I think he even when Mills took over for Tyrod on, on Sunday, he still did good. He did had a good, good second half. So I wouldn't hesitate to start Brandon Cooks. Okay, which Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers are you starting this week? You can only start two. You have to decide. <laughs> so in one league, I actually own Godwin and A.B. And so it's kind of one of those things, right, where it's like there's great upside, right? If Brady has a huge game, he's just throwing the ball around. But it's, it's so weird. It always feels like it's always some someone getting the two or three touchdown game. He's going to mix it up. Around. That, yeah. That's Tom Brady. He spreads it around. That's what he does. It's like a Nutella jar. He just spreads it around. But it just feels like game to game, it's one of them having the big game. And then the rest of them are quiet. This past week, it was Evans. It was Gronk again. Then a little bit with Godwin because he got that touchdown. And then A.B. was completely shut, you know, like quiet. And he had a dud. So this, you can't predict it. And I'm starting A.B. this week in a couple of leagues. But I don't trust it. I mean, the matchup should be good for a shootout. But, you know, you're not starting. Unless you are a three-receiver league. Well, you're forced to start three receivers, and yeah, like you probably feel better about it. But uh, of the three, if I had to choose which one, is the one that's usually the most consistent, which is Mike Evans. I would normally ask you, given that they are facing the Rams, who's Jalen Ramsey lining up against? But one thing the Rams have changed about their scheme this year is Jalen Ramsey is a little bit like a free roaming corner. He's not shadowing one specific guy. So I'll be curious. I think who's going to have the big day is going to be who faces Ramsey the least. Who has the opportunity? If I'm Ramsey with his size and his ability, I think Mike Evans is the obvious guy that he should be on. But you don't want to leave AB open. You don't want to leave Godwin open. You don't want to leave Gronk open. That's just the trouble of this Buccaneers offense. You know what? I think this is just going to be a game in which they run the ball. Watch. It's going to be a Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, three touchdown game just to mess with everyone. Then again, Brady does seem like he's very amped to go back for that quarterback touchdown record. So Keep an eye on that. Um, I guess if I have to throw out a selection, I don't think Gronk is going to go with another two touchdown week. So I think the two wide receivers that are going to sign, I'm going to go with Godwin and AB. I think because like I said, Jalen Ramsey is going to be seeing a lot of matchups against Evans and Gronk. Just some touchdown regression here is going to bring him a little bit back to earth. A little bit back to earth. Terry McLaurin, I mentioned it a little bit, obviously huge game against your Giants, just rub it in a little bit more here. But Terry McLaurin, speaking of touchdown-proof guys, are you feeling like there's a good thing going on with him and Taylor Heineke? Uh, Washington, uh, to bring it back, they are going against the Bills this week. Terry McLaurin, what's your confidence meter on him going into week three? Oh, it's high as ever. I mean, scary Terry. I own him in my dynasty league. I, I, even though I'm a Giants fan, I love him for fantasy. He's as matchup proof as, as it is out there. He gets heavily targeted. The one guy I'll be concerned with would be Logan Thomas. He hasn't had a strong game. I know he was really productive last year. He's the one guy that, you know, and they don't even have Curtis Samuel back, you know? So that's the one guy I'll be concerned with, but not, not scary Terry. Scary Terry is a wide receiver one. You start him, you don't, you don't think about it. I said I never really want to own this guy, but Hollywood Brown, they are facing the Lions next week. Are you starting him wide receiver two with upside? You are. And I'm curious when uh, Bateman returns, how that, you know, the skill position will work out because right now Mark Andrews hasn't really shown anything the first two weeks and Hollywood Brown is producing. And I got into this little back and forth with my, one of my co-hosts where we were talking about he doesn't like Tyler Lockett because he's so boomer bust, but then he likes Hollywood Brown. And I asked him why. He's like, hey, look at last season. Look how Hollywood Brown finished. 
He finished with, like, I want to say seven straight games of 10 points in PPR leagues, that kind of thing. So he's been pretty consistent for the most part to finish last year and not to start off this year. But I'm the same as you. I don't trust it. I really don't. And it's more so because maybe they start throwing the ball more because of their running back injury. You know, they don't have Dobbins out there. But I kind of feel like yesterday was a product of having to keep up with Mahomes. So that's why they were forced to throw more and that kind of thing. So game script, again, is the, you know, the topic here but i wouldn't trust hollywood brown if he continues it we're gonna have to change the narrative not narrative right like like it's gonna have to change right he's produced the first two weeks if he has a third game we got to change our tunes okay let's look at the guys that finished outside of that top 24 here uh debo samuel a guy who has a lot of variable in his stat line week to week early note Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle haven't been very involved in this offense you would think that would be something that can change But so far through two games, Debo Samuel is the clear wide receiver one in San Francisco. Where are you on Debo Samuel? Do you view him as a low end, dare I say, wide receiver one or closer to a flex play the rest of the year? No. So let's put it in between, right? Wide receiver two, a real strong wide receiver two. Maybe not a top end. And the, the reason why, and right now, uh, they haven't involved Kittle as much as I would think, you know, going forward, what they would do. Uh, but Debo is, also comes with a little bit of injury risk. He always gets hurt, right? I don't see how you could put a tanner like AU and not use him more. So it's going to be interesting now that he was, you know, involved more this past week. And Are you dropping Ayuk? That is the interesting thing there. I mean, it was so weird, right? Because AU was ranked high, higher than Debo in drafts. And now it looks, you know, Debo, the thing, the special thing with Debo is, 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 is his catch after ability, right? Like once he gets a ball, man, he, he's like a running back out there. He just runs over people. And so to me, he's safer. He's more of the PPR guy. He's going to get the touches. But the, as far as big plays and ability, I mean, AU still has a chance. We have to see it going forward. I wouldn't trust him. I'm not starting him this week. But yeah, Debo Samuels, I want to say strong wide receiver to confident stardom. Wide receiver one, I need to see more evidence that they won't involve Kittle the way they, you know, the first few weeks. I, if if Kittle is not going to get involved, then yeah, maybe we have to re- change our tunes again with this topic as well. If Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry both miss this week, who is going to be the big beneficiary for the Browns at wide receiver? Donovan Peoples-Jones, Richard Higgins, or Anthony Schwartz? From what I've read, right, the other two guys, Peoples Jones and Schwartz, they're the guys that you would think, right? But to me, from the past few years, it's Rashad Higgins. He's the one that usually steps up, especially when Landry gets nicked up. Rashad Higgins is really good in the slot. And so if I were to pick one of them, but to be honest with you, if none of those guys play, the guy I would trust more is their tight ends. It'll be like Cooper, Harrison Bryant, those kind of guys. I don't, I don't, they'll most likely lean on their run game more so than they already do. And so, but if out of the three, Higgins, to me, just off of history, I feel like he's the guy that usually steps up. I, these other guys, they dropped balls this past weekend when they, you know, when Landry got hurt, they they fumbled the ball. So just right now, it seems like Baker goes with guys he trusts. And maybe Higgins is not, maybe not the preference of their front office, but he's just the guy when he plays and he gets burned that he produces. Okay, the Cincinnati wide receiving core is a bit of a dilemma at this moment. Uh, So Tyler Boyd had a little bit of a bounce back, seven receptions, 73 yards, but two straight games, Jamar Chase has caught a touchdown. T Higgins also scored a touchdown. How do you rank the Cincinnati wide receivers moving forward? I think Chase is number one, Higgins two, and then Boyd, unfortunately, number three. I I came into this year thinking that Boyd would be the safest of the three, especially for PPR leagues. And nothing has changed my tune. You know, I'm glad he had a bounce back game. He didn't do much week one. Uh, I drafted him and in my main league, 14 my league, I might be forced to start him if Deontay Johnson doesn't uh, play this week. And I'll feel good about it. You know, I, you, you might not get consistency with Boyd, but, you know, I feel like the Bengals can support all three in fantasy. Not most teams can say that. You know, the Buccaneers, yeah, they have three wide receivers, but the Bengals are one of those teams as well. And, you know, they don't have no tight end. So they just have those three guys to throw to. And, you know, week to week, who's going to be, you know, the highest scoring one? Most times than not, I think it's going to be Chase. Are you benching Allen Robinson moving forward through two weeks? No, that was a quick no. So at least you are decisive on that one. But, you know, we have to acknowledge that he has struggled through the first couple weeks here. And we mentioned there's a little bit of questions at the quarterback position. Now, I know Allen Robinson has always had that tag quarterback proof, 
But Andy Dalton is really testing that one out this year. He is really making a point to say, oh, you think you're quarterback proof? Well, you play on this franchise tag. Let me just ruin all your numbers before you go into free agency now. But, you know, on the real thing here, Al Robinson is starting to get to that point where if he has another bad game or another couple bad games, he goes against the Browns this weekend. So that's not an ideal matchup. You know, he's going against Denzel Ward. The Browns secondary has gotten a lot better and definitely their pass rush. If they can affect both Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, I don't see Andy Allen Robinson having a big fantasy day. I'm a little concerned about this one. I'm not as quick to say start as you are right now. Yeah. Potentially not the upside that you would hope, right? Like, with especially Dalton starts. Uh, we don't know yet what feels how the offense would look like. Uh, but to me, Allen Robinson has been as consistent as, as you can get for a wide receiver one. Nobody is never a sexy pick, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, the second round of your draft, but he's always consistent. He finishes in that top 12. It's only been two weeks. He's somebody that if guys are going to get active with trades this week, I'm going to target Allen Robinson try to, you know, look at the owner's roster and just try to, like, buy low. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, if you're right about the Andy Dalton factor. I mean, he used to be quarterback-proof. Dalton is testing that theory right now. But for right now, I'm still starting Allen Robinson confidently. Let's talk about one more wide receiver core that has a lot of questions around it. The Steelers. Through two weeks, Big Ben, maybe he's showing his age. Maybe the Steelers' offense has just been – not very creative through two weeks, but has negatively affected the team. Now, Dante Johnson potentially could miss this week. Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. How are you feeling about these guys so far? Because Claypool only had three receptions on the week. Juju did finish as a top 24 receiver. Between these two, are you benching them moving forward? Because let's see who the Steelers face this week, week three. Go against the Bengals. So I guess it's an opportunity for the bounce back for them. I, I guess they might be starts this week. But are they closer to wide receiver force moving forward? They're definitely not as consistent as people would have hoped coming into this year. I I had Deontay Johnson ranked first out of the three coming into this year. I'm not. I'm trying to remember how the rankings work. You know, Yahoo or ESPN. But I just like Deontay Johnson. He's the top. He's actually the number one in target share of the three. For some reason, Big Ben likes him the most. Um, I feel like they're not utilizing you know Chase Claypool's talent as much as they should. I mean, if you're going by talent, he's the most talented one of the three. As far as trusting them, yeah, you're right. Like, you have to rank them lower going forward. You don't know which of the three is going to be week to week. If any of the three, and now we don't know with his injury, it will be Deontay Johnson. He's just been the more consistent one, he, especially in PPR leagues. He's just going to get those six, seven catches week to week. But the other guys, are Juju, going back to the offseason, I thought Juju should have gone to the Chiefs. He had the chance to go to the Chiefs. He stayed with the Steelers. And it's like, what are you doing? I mean, if you watched last year, before his injury, Big Ben looked washed. He looks washed now. And I don't know if you saw, but Big Ben was criticizing their offensive coordinator. He was saying, hey, like, that's not on me. Like, this, the play calling was going on. So it's not as creative. So maybe this weekend they get creative. They start, you know, throwing more big plays out there. And we see something different. And you're right. They have a, a get-right matchup with the, with the Bengals defense. But I don't trust any of them besides Deontay Johnson, to be honest with you, if he plays. If he doesn't play, which of the two would you be most comfortable firing up? I would go with Claypool just because off of – Touchdown upside, right? Listen, man, if he's the most talented one of the three, and if it was me, I mean, if those targets that – those nine, ten targets that Deontay Johnson is going to be missing. So it should go to Claypool, and he should have a big game if so. Okay, that closes the wide receiver discussion. We're going to shift to tight ends, but I'm going to prep it by noting we're not going to go through the top 12 because this position, it's a crapshoot, guys. I hate to say it. At this point, I'm almost there with a lot of people. A lot of people are on the get rid of fantasy kickers, and I've been on that train for a little bit. But tight ends are starting to get into that range here pretty soon. Grof Gronkowski, two touchdowns, two weeks. Now, I mentioned it earlier in the show when we're talking about the Bucks wide receivers. I think that this is the week in which Gronk finishes poorly for his owners. You know, I, listen, he's always going to have that chemistry with Tom Brady. You're all you're going to have to start him just because the rest of the position is so porous and you know, at least know he has the opportunity versus a lot of the other guys. Rob Gronkowski, rest of the year. Here's what I'll ask you. Top three fantasy tight end. No, so not rest of the year, not top three. I know the first two weeks, the owners are excited. I mean, he does look like he has some spring in his legs. You know, he didn't look that strong last year. I mean, he had some games, that, some big games last year, but if you watch, he didn't look 100%. So maybe a year, you know, the rust is off. You know, he's back, more chemistry with Brady. Brady's second year with Tampa. 
I just feel this in my heart that Brady's just tasting records and he's just being deliberate about it. Like, hey, if I'm at the goal line, I'm not running the ball. I'm just going to go ahead and throw the ball. So touch, he's very touch on dependent. I don't know if this is the matchup where we see him get a donut. I feel like it won't be to that extreme because he's had some of them last year. But I feel like, yeah, if you're expecting the touchdowns week to week, you're not going to get those touchdowns week to week. And But I will say that coming into this year, he was ranked outside the top 10. And I do think he's a top 10 option at tight end for sure. Clearly a top 10. It's not even debatable that he's a top 10 at this point because the rest of the position is just unbearable. What's been unbearable for me to watch, because this one has hurt my soul, has been George Kittle finishing outside the top 20 tight ends for two consecutive weeks. This week, uh, four receptions, and he did get hit by a fumble in some week formats as well. Even though if you look at the replays, he didn't fumble. His knee was down, folks. So, you know, the referees just really, really pissing me off with this one. But either way, I digress. Uh, George Kittle, how are you feeling on this one, man? I, I mean, you can't cut him. You're not, you can't bench him because who are you benching him for is the question. But how do you, how do you kind of equate this? Because you drafted this guy in the top three rounds and you are getting not even top 10 roundup production out of him. Yeah, the first, I'm going to lie to you, going into the season, the debate was who was number two behind Kels? Was it Waller or Kittle, right? So Kittle, you know, he's had injuries the last few years that bring him down on us. But if you watch him when he's healthy, he's the top tight end, I think, all, all around, just off the talent. And, you know, he just doesn't play with Patrick Mahomes, right? So if he were to play with Patrick Mahomes, he would be number one, you know, in my opinion. But um, I am a little worried, more so because of my main 14-man league. I had a choice, you know, I had this, thing where all right if I get Derrick Henry early or one of those top running backs I felt like in a 14-man league to have an advantage at tight end I would draft Waller or Kittle Waller wasn't there for me so I drafted Kittle what upset me when I looked back at the draft was the fact that nobody this is round two when I drafted George Kittle nobody drafted a tight end in round three or four after I drafted Kittle so Hawkinson and Mark Andrews went a couple of rounds later so off value I wish I would have waited in hindsight not just because the first two weeks just off of value but also the fact that I, and I've won my, my matchup this week, thanks to Derrick Henry, but if I'm looking at it from a by-law opportunity, right? So he's had two down games. I'm going to go to his owner and ask for it. I'm, I'm keeping him. I'm not feeling confident as far as like a top three, you know, because Hawkinson is looking really good right now and he's producing right now this Monday night game. And so like, I feel like Hawkinson is actually one of those other underrated like fantasy players. He's, he's looking like that number three tight end right now. I would move down Kittle in the rankings going forward but to me he's still a top five option for now until we see further evidence that the Niners you know he's gotten his targets it just hasn't produced a lot of yards off the catch you know kind of thing he's so he's getting you know he has four catches he doesn't have a lot of yardage uh the touchdowns will come with time and like I told you earlier I'm really hoping that Trey Lance gets his chance to take over the offense because I just see so much more potential overall for that offense if Trey Lance is the quarterback you want to know how sad the tight end position is how variable this position is Despite me mentioning George Kittle's shortcomings and despite him finishing outside the top 20 on a weekly basis, he is still a top 12 fantasy tight end, barely with his 13.5 points on the year. He is exactly tight end 12 above him on the year. Doyle, Knox, Pitts at nine, Goddard at eight, seven, Logan Thomas, who you mentioned was struggling. Jawan Johnson because of the two touchdowns. <laughs> uh, Noah Fan at five, TJ Hawkins at four, Waller at three, Gronk at two, and of course, Travis Kelsey at one. So at least the top five isn't surprising other than the exception of George Kittle being there, but tight end, misery, land of misery, the death zone, the void. That is what that position is becoming. Quick note, I'll just mention DST-wise, uh, the Panthers, Underowned going against Houston this week, potentially looking at facing Davis Mills, a rookie quarterback. Uh, this will probably be semi close to when you got to put in your waiver claims, but go pick up the Panthers defense. Do it now. This is a week where you have upside put up like 20 points off your DST. Take advantage. Man, that was a good pod, man. I, I'm feeling great about this episode. Uh, a lot of information, a lot of names we talked about here. How are you feeling, man? Man, I feel good. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I'm excited for waivers tomorrow. I'm not gonna lie to you. There's there's some names that are out there that we mentioned some of them earlier. Depending on your league, you want to hopefully listen to this podcast and you you know 
make sure Patterson is not left on the waivers and you put him high in your list. Um, I feel real good. I appreciate you having me on. If anybody wants to listen to my podcast, it's Fantasy Sports Fiends. You can follow me on Twitter, RonRon654. Uh, thank you for having me on, man. Fantasy Sports Fiends, go check them out, Slump Busters. You are checking us out, but are you subscribed? Hit that subscribe button. It's right there, guys. We have a five-star review for us on Apple iTunes. Helps us immensely. Helps with the algorithms and stuff. Go ahead and check out our partner, CavemanCopyCode.com. Come on, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP and save yourself some money on some delicious cold brew coffee from CavemanCopyCode.com. Juju Talk Sports, Ron Ron, Ronnie DeBarris. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. And we'll see you next time.